which are the best thing. As always, I am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. And who do I have with me today? Who are you? I'm Ariel. I am the most prolific shit poster in the world. I don't think you are, but you are a very prolific what you said. Ariel, you go by Sondamite on the internet, but you are not here talking about a Sondheim musical, surprising me and probably you. No, because I love A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. And what show are we doing today? Cats. <laughs> so, basic history on the show. Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder was on Broadway in 2013, written by people making their Broadway debut. Robert Her- L. Friedman and Stephen Lutvak. Right, so Lutvak did the score, Friedman did the book, and they split the lyrics down the middle. It's all on Wikipedia. Yeah, we're checking Wikipedia as we go. That's how we do. But I did more research today, and some of these things you will not see on Wikipedia. Like that Robert Friedman was his USY regional president, USY being the youth group that I was really active in as a high schooler. But he wasn't in my region. He was in the region that my fiancé is from. All right. Um, But seriously, folks, what is interesting about this show in terms of the source material So there was a 1949 British film with Sir Alec Guinness. It was called Kind Hearts and Coronets. And that was based on a book called Israel Rank, the Autobiography of a Criminal by Ray Horniman, 1907, Edwardian England book. So it took forever to get the show off the ground. Ludvack and Friedman were like, it's because we're a small show and people aren't interested in us because like we're not famous. Maybe so. But also the, the people who owned the rights to Kind Hearts and Coronets sued and said that they were using too much of that and not enough from the the public domain novel from 1907. So it was a long time coming. So whether which one it's based on is whatever. What I will say is the book is anti-Semitic. Israel rank. So as we'll get to in the story, the reason that Monty's mother has been disowned by her British nobility family is because she runs off with a Castilian. And in the original novel, he's a Jew. And so it's like Monty has been raised, well, his name, Israel Rank has been raised Christian, but he's like still kind of Semitic and like evil. Apparently it's not that bad. And the the show's writers are like, we're both Jewish, we're fine. Monty's a pretty likable murderer, so. Which we will get into. So to start, I like to just say, what are our personal encounters with this musical? In my case, I saw it on Broadway, original cast. What'd you do? Same. I didn't get into it until late in the game, the second night after Bryce Pinkham returned. He left and came back. It's because understudy was cute. Oh my god, I know. Anyway, so an interesting thing about this show is that it's like Gilbert and Sullivan wrote a new musical, guys, and it's not as good as their old stuff. And the show's musical style on Broadway, which has been the biggest production thus far, the staging was also sort of in the style of this British comic operetta. So I will say from the outset, I think I like this musical. Like I heard so much bad stuff about it from theater snobs that my opinion started shifting. And now I've sort of realized that I need to go in and being like, am I going in and liking this musical or am I going in and am I not liking this musical? Which may sound really fickle and easily swayed, but people point it, you know. So I get what you mean. Fuck them. And I think what we will find as we go along is that essentially the score is not as good as the rest of the show. And when you're in the show, the score is pretty important because it's a musical. I mean, I liked the score. It was like mostly catchy patter songs. and So 
the very opening of the show is called Prologue, A Warning to the Audience. And it's the ensemble telling us to get out while we still can. It is very Lemony Snicket. It is extremely Lemony Snicket, yeah. I loved it. It's charming, which is weird. So then we get into the actual show of it, and it's like Inception. There's like a double framing device because first there's the people being like, hey, you're in a show. And then immediately after we get our protagonist at the end of the show, and then the whole show is a flashback. Yes. So we meet Lord Montague Dicequith Navarro, also known as Monty. He's the ninth Earl of Highhurst, and he's in jail and writing his memoirs in case he's executed, and he decides to call his memoirs A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. So we got the title drop over with. Okay, here's what I wanted to bring up. We try not to talk too much about actors, but in a show like this where there's only sort of been for each role, one really major inhabitant to the row. And like, Chalina Kennedy fans, please chill out. Like, I'm sure <laughs> it's like her work is good, but the guy who played Monty Navarro is Bryce Pinkham, your boyfriend and mine. No, Jefferson Mays was my boyfriend. You can have him. So Bryce Pinkham was in Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson with Ben Walker, who was in American Psycho. So they're both, they've both played homicidal murderers. And I would like to call this show British Psycho. Okay. Monty's an interesting in-between because he's vengeful, but also fun. Yeah. Uh, he's he's like... a happy medium. So through the memoirs, we flash back through Monty's life, over, only over the last couple of years. And at our beginning, Monty was living in squalor in London, and his mother has just died. And a weird old woman shows up to give us exposition and set things into motion. And she tells and proves to Monty over the course of a song that his mother was disowned by the Dicequith family. The patriarch of the family is an Earl because she eloped with his father who was Castilian. So she tells him this in the song. The song is You're a Dicequith. It's perfectly cute. It, yeah. I think that the show really gets started when the Dithquists come in. I think I understand the need for the exposition, and it was cute. I like when he like presses the button. I think you like the Dithquists more than I do. Well, they're well, loathsome people, but no, no, no. I know what you mean. We'll get to that. Okay. But anyway, yeah, we need to get things in motion. Monty decides to at least reach out to the Dithquists and see if he can get a job at their banking firm. And we also meet that Monty is in love with a local woman who is, like, has a little bit more money than him and, like, a social climber, Sabella. Sabella's the best. I love her. She's the best. I love her. Sabella is an amazing character. The song is I Don't Know What I Do, and it's the first real patter song we've had where she says things like, no, no, yes, no, and, like, the way it's blocked, like, every gesture is exactly matched to every word, and it's kind of, like, big and mimey, but it works. And she's just fabulous and awful to Monty. I know. He kind of deserves it because he's willing to go along with it. He's like, I'm smitten with you, and you're awful, but, like, maybe you'll like me. And it's like, get a life or get in line. And at first he gets in line, and then he gets a life. And that's the real shift of the of the musical on a whole. Yeah, but then he winds up with everyone. Well, no. Well, we'll whatever. get to that. We'll get so to that. cool. Anyway. So he says, well, it turns out I'm a die squith. And she's like, 
oh? And he's like, yeah, I'm ninth in line. She's like, sure, Jan. And then she's like, oh. So you found out that you're, like, technically a die squiff, but, like, eight people would have to die for you to, like, be anything. So Monty hears back from Asquith Dysquith Jr., who is, he's eighth in line. He's one step ahead of him online, and he says, I don't know who your mom is. You can't contact us. Oh, we hate you. He's a dick. He's pretty awful. They're all pretty awful. There is no one in this musical who is morally clean. It's like, even the nice people are awful. It's like Seinfeld, but like, fake Gentile. So, Monty sings Foolish to Think, which is a song that he's bummed that he will not be an Earl or marry Sabella. It's fine. But he's like, hey, I can just visit Highhurst Castle, which is the dice with, like, manse, because they have a public visitor's day. First, the paintings and statues oh, and start talking yeah. to them. And I kind of like they're, like, maybe in the, they're in his head, maybe they're omnipotent, because they like, they yell at him multiple times in musical, and they're like, we don't like you, and neither does Sabella. And it's like, you're... Maybe they're Hogwarts portraits. There's something Hogwartsian about it, yes. You know the Dysquists own a house elf. So this is where we meet our big bad. Like, this guy is not important yet. But, like, now we know who sort of the, the current Earl is. Adalbert Dysquith. Can you name all the Dysquiths really fast without looking? I can't even name them really slowly with looking. Wait, can you do that? No. Okay. That's why I decided to be hard on you. I don't understand the poor. And he does sing, I don't understand the poor. So, yes, the thing about this musical that is supposed to make it very fun and interesting. So we had briefly seen Asquith when he was writing letters. So this is the second Dysquith that we've seen. And one actor on Broadway, it was Jefferson Mays, plays all of the Dysquith, except for Phoebe. It's going to be me lisping Dysquith. And yeah, it's obviously like Jefferson Mays, whoever this actor is, has to do some amazing transformative character work. To me, it's kind of a catch-22 because either you stop noticing that it's the same actor and it's just like all these different characters that are kind of written in broad strokes, which I know is also the point of the show. Or you're like spending your time being like, ooh, look what he can do. But I mean, you, you there are also amazing quick changes. Yeah, oh my God, the quick changes. So I Don't Understand the Poor is trying so hard. Like they're trying so hard to be clever. I like it. Like, it's fine. It <laughs> reminds me of I Am the Very Model of a Modern Major General. Like, it has almost that pattern to it. And he has kind of sort of the similar, like, British snooty affectation. Yeah, it's fine. That's the thing about the show is when I'm going through and reading the lyrics, I'm like, wow, these are some amazing lyrics. And I don't feel it in my bones. Like, when I'm listening to, say, Sondheim, and I don't know if it's the show is beating me over the head with it because they're not forced like they do work i don't know no i I like the lyrics i don't think any of the songs are like triumphs of like musical theater arguably one that we will get to they, they they like to pretend it's the only song in the show okay my question with i don't understand the poor i don't understand the last verse like is it just a throwaway joke that he says oh i think i have an illegitimate brother who's poor and also drunken and mute let's just forget about him and then he never comes up again when I, the first time I either saw or listened to the show, I don't remember the order, I was like, is this some kind of Chekhov's gun? Is this guy going to come back and, like, 
fight Monty for legitimacy to the family fortune, and we never hear of it again. I mean, I think it was just kind of a throwaway joke. Yeah, but don't do I a don't, throwaway I don't joke really that's like gonna, that could have could have real effects on the plot. Anyway, yeah, they they made that whole like big like slow down, everyone listen up, I'm gonna tell you about this guy, and then it, nothing ever happens. Yeah, he he has he has some real good jokes in the song that there are some with ambition. Be it pit, pickpocket, pit, beggar, or whore. Right, is yeah. the direct quote. And he sings to the balcony. Like, I don't understand you poor people oh, yeah. and he's looking you at the balcony. Who, who paid who paid slightly less to see the show. Oh, so maybe Asquith isn't one step ahead of him because first Monty goes to visit Reverend Lord Ezekiel Dicequith. And essentially the Reverend just says, keep me out. Like, too bad what happened to your mom, but keep me out of this. And then a gust of wind almost blows him off a tower. And Monty's just like, oh, I could just let him die. And he does. And that's the reprise of Foolish to Think. And it's similar to part one of Foolish to Think. I do like on the cast recording that you hear um, his dying scream go like, ah, and then you hear a splat. Actually in the show too, there's some good Foley work. Uh, right, so the, the visuals in the back, the like way they do the dice clip deaths, like... Some of them are really creative. Oh, right, this one has like projections. He's just like flailing, and then he kind of like spreads his arm out as like splat, and then the And then blood, there's a projection of blood pooling out under him. And then more but blood. It's car- but it's cartoonish. It's cartoonish. It's very cartoonish. What's interesting about Monty is he go. there's this transformation over the show from him being the sort of like gentle and timid guy to him being this like cool collected cold-blooded killer um i was looking over the lyrics to a future song where it's like kind of you know people overlapping singing and i never realized some of monty's lyrics and they're like yeah. almost remorse but then it's just like huh, not That'll really be our next song because monty just straight up decides to poison uh ask with dice with jr the one who wouldn't give him the job and he knows that he's away um, on, like, a skiing snow trip. Thing. Well, there is skating, obviously. He's having an affair, and they go to, like, a... He shows up with Poison, and then he sees them skating, and we get the song Poison in My Pocket, which, in my opinion, is the first, like, real good song in the show. I definitely agree. The wordplay in it is really great. Right. So Asquith Jr. and his girlfriend, mostly Asquith Jr., are singing to each other, and Monty is sort of pattering over them. Is that a verb? I mean, it like, patter of feet, saying, like, patter oh, I'm going to poison him, what am I going to do? And over the course of the song, he figures out, like, oh, I could make him fall through the ice, and that's so much easier. And he does say really interesting things. So he figures out that he can saw through the ice where it's thin, and he says, is it strange to feel a wee bit melancholic? Right. A twinge of some remorse. Of course, a conscience, I assume. This is not at all the, the <laughs> rhythm at which it, it works this way, though. And he goes, but no, as I'm cutting, I am contemplating. And the truth is, it's a tad exhilarating. And and the song ends as his victims are drowning with all of this is frankly easier than I had thought. What I do really like about the show is Monty's character. It's it's gradual. There's not like a turn. There's not like a single turning point. There are moments where you're like, this is not what Monty would have done at the beginning. But this, like, well, this is a turning point for him. It's not a big dramatic. It's not 
Sweeney Todd epiphany. Yeah. It's him being like, all right, I'm going to go kill this guy and being like, oh. like Not so is, hard. Like, Not right. And, and that's what I really like about him because our transition of him from point A to point B is so seamless in a way that's maybe more than a show that's intentionally this light and silly, like, needs to have. And it's like, we don't really know him all that well to begin with. Right, but. just because he's been kind of mild-mannered and, like, put upon and, like, likes his mom. Like, it doesn't mean that he hasn't been, like, a sketchball. But he doesn't give off that vibe. Well, he probably doesn't even know he would enjoy murdering either. He kind of just, it kind of just happens. So and maybe what if all of us could turn out to, like, murdering his ass? That's not the message of the show. Yeah, what if? The show doesn't have a message. Okay, what I will say is he murders a completely, I, I mean, if we're going to define innocent but she wasn't she didn't do anything wrong she, she dies nothing an awful to do with anyone, death and he drowns her to death they never mention it again when he mentions how many people he's killed she's not even in the number when he says i've killed half a dozen each one a cousin no you did not you killed this random showgirl it was supposed to be funny watching them fake down drown on stage, well, and I was actually kind of uncomfortable. The interesting thing about the staging is that uh, she and he are kind of pushing each other down. Also what's sad, then, is Lord Asquith Dysquith Sr. reaches out to Monty and says, I'm sorry about what my son wrote you. Come and have a job at the banking house. And he's really bummed by his son's death. There's only a couple of people that we see actually negatively impacted emotionally by the murders. Three by my reckoning that Monty commits. But this one is, is like maybe the most poignant in a weird way. I think he has a like out of stage redemption arc where he started off as a dick. And then during the show, he makes a turnaround where he's actually the nicest of the dice quiz. Yeah. I think they mentioned that he was mean to Monty's mother and was one of the right. main Monty's, reasons. Monty's torn because this this guy, when he was younger, was the ringleader in ousting Monty's mother, and now in old age, and also suffering this loss, apparently, has softened him, and Monty grows to really like him. So he's really torn up about that. But we'll get to that. So Sibella has become engaged to some rich dude. He owns a motor car, so he's, like, real rich. She sings Poor Monty, which starts as a song about how sad Monty will be without her, and starting to teasing him to, oh, you'll find someone else who isn't as good as me. And then by the end of the song, it turns into her maybe regretting her decision because she doesn't really like this dude. She just wants his money. Yeah. But it's um, not a particularly good song. No. So Monty's like, I'm in for a penny, in for a pound. I'm going to work my way through the through the dice quiths. And he decides to go in order, which... Why would you go in order? I'm sorry. It might change the order of succession. Oh. If, like, if someone in the middle is bumped off, then someone else who like has a kid... I don't know I how don't know. these things were. He doesn't refer to that. I, this is my no prize answer. So next is Henry Dysquith, who is a, pretty much a permanent student. Oh, Henry. He tracks Henry down. Henry is clearly a jerk. Great. Okay, that means we can kill him. Henry is also very clearly gay, and we get better with the man, which I don't like better with the man. Do you like better with the man? I do like better with the man. So it's not just the fact that it's like, haha like gay guys and it's sort of a wink wink nudge song and there aren't really very many good jokes in it anyway like it's sort of a one note it is yeah but a lot of the songs are one note yeah but in this one it's one note where it's like and not very funny in the first place people were secretly gay in the edwardian era it's like 
this one of the times that this musical makes a joke about the tone deafness of, say, British people of that era, and how, like, back in the day, if you were listening, you wouldn't pick up on anything, maybe. But that doesn't make it okay. I do like that the very last line of the song is bottoms up. Okay. Okay, that's pretty funny. Also, how does Monty, like, figure out, like, immediately that Henry is gay? I think Henry comes on to him a little bit. Why is he, like, tuned into that kind of thing? Anyway, but Monty has gotten into Henry's good graces, so Henry takes him home. Right, turns out Henry's a beekeeper, so Monty decides to... What it says here is that he douses Henry's beekeeping clothes with lavender so that the bees will all sting him to death. But then I don't think that's actually... This is the death that makes the least logical sense. I know. Especially since Henry was talking about how he's built up an immunity to bee stings. Well, he says it would take like a hundred of them to kill me now. Yeah. And so they stick like a hundred bees on them. It's like, but you're wearing the costume. So have, it's like bees would have to get into the costume. Yeah. So Monty really didn't think that one through, but, but it, it works. It works. Anyway, as Henry is slowly dying of bee stings, Monty meets Phoebe. Henry's sister. Oh, yeah. For the record, Henry and Monty are cousins, as if that wasn't the important plot point. Well, so, What, do you, do you mean it's weird that they are hitting on each other? Yes. Because, be because Monty is about to, spoiler, marry Henry's sister, who is also his cousin. So That's true. It's also kind of gross that he's like, kills her brother, who she was very close with, and then just swoops in on her. But Yeah, because he's not a good person. But ladies like him because it's a gentleman's guide to love and murder. So when we meet Phoebe, she sings the song Inside Out. It's boring and it doesn't really make sense. And also it's intentionally a name because she's like, they're like, black could be white and day could be night. And it's, and it's supposed to be just kind of stupid. And it, but it's like, then you're wasting our time with it. This song is so long. And it doesn't really contribute to her character at all. She's like, I'm sensitive, even though I'm rich. Right, yeah. You need to have an incredible voice. And, and then she also seems like, oh, the man I'm destined to marry will find, like, wealth overrated. And, but know, Monty she, does. But, so, so that's an interesting, like, I, point of, I don't know if that's the technical definition of irony. Why does Phoebe have a poisonous flower in her garden? Yeah. She just picks a flower for Monty and is like, oh, here's my favorite flower because it looks pretty, but it's actually poisonous. She's like, you would be dead in an hour if you smelled it. The joke she... is that he puts it in his pocket and that's the real Chekhov's gun in the show in the curtain call that we'll get right. to. But like... But the other thing is like, they both smelled it. Why would you grow a poisonous flower in your garden? Maybe there's a sequel called The Gentlewoman's Guide to Love and Murder and Maybe. Phoebe has this whole life we don't know about. That would explain a lot, especially the end of the show. And especially if Phoebe knew what was going on this whole time. And then Henry dies in the middle of it. And then Henry dies in the middle, and she's really sad, and is like, duh. And Monty, who has just killed a man in front of his sister, is like, ooh, I can comfort her. Oh, she's not ahead of me in the line of succession. Oh, that's a relief. I don't know why there's no such thing as an earless and why an earl's wife is a countess, but anyway, he's like, I got this under control, and I'm still killing more people. Great. She pretty much dresses all in blue. And, and Sabella dresses all in like red and pink. Yeah, like mostly pink. What's interesting is this, it would be kind of too obvious if it was like the lady who wears red all the time. So it's like yeah. a hyper feminine, like softened version of that. I like both of the women. I like Sabella more. Why do you like Sabella more? Um, Phoebe's kind of dumb. Phoebe is dumb, yes. Considering that she makes a speech about how she likes to read books, she's real dumb. She's a very dull character that... I get, you're supposed to like in contrast to Sabella. 
And she um, does, and up until the very end, she does everything she's supposed to do all the time. Sabella and Monty are really well suited for each other because they're like selectively sociopathic. I might, I might put it that way. Yeah. And they're both kind of like pretty ambitious people who have overdeveloped senses of moral relativism. That kind of sums up this show. So Monty's like, oh, I don't have to kill her, but this reminds me there are some women I have to kill. Let's start with Lady Hyacinth. Oh, uh, no. Uh, so Hyacinth's shtick is that because she's an old, rich spinster, that she likes to help people out. And Monty just kind of, like, convinces her to go to dangerous places as his preferred Let's not say murder. what those places are. So <laughs> the song is just called Lady Hyacinth Abroad. I guess it's an okay song if you remove any sort of the context lyrics. or sense of judgment. I When I saw this show, one of the people I saw it with was Emily, who is, has been on a couple episodes of this show. And they were mad. I mean, like, it was awful. But, like, the scene, I was like, I'll put the scene aside and I'll get through the rest of the show. And Emily, like, they could not do it. They were like, oh, man, that was upsetting. So this is what I'm saying with the gay song where it was like, hey, let's poke fun at how awful old white British people are but like that doesn't make it okay and what this song does is it's just a string of racist jokes yeah it, and there's a, there's a moment where she like puts a bindi on and it's like haha she's putting on a bindi she's a stupid tourist and it's like but did you need to do that what is it the countries uh, Egypt India and then Africa because that's Africa a country, a country. that's exactly. a country and it's like an African cannibal tribe. It's like, that's not even... The butt of the joke isn't her, it's the people. Yeah. Y'all can just look up lyrics on their own, and let's just say that all of, those, all of those lyrics are the honorary worst lyric of the show. The punchline of the song, which on the one hand is a funny twist, on the other hand it's like, then you really didn't need to waste all this time, is that all of his attempts to send her abroad fail and she keeps surviving so finally he just like saws off the gangplank when she's returning home and she drowns yeah i mean it's a really long sequence so we have the last one you'd expect which has like several different i don't know movements parts is a fun enough song it's a good finale act one i guess by yeah, the show's act one closer and so meanwhile what's happening is monty is rising in the ranks of the banking house and lord asquith senior is learning to love him like a son he and sabella are having an affair even though she's married because she's like eh. so monty also kills bartholomew dicequith who's like a hardcore bodybuilder and also like racist i don't remember what he says something about eugenics Okay, maybe I lied about the least plausible death being Henry's because uh, yeah. Monty says he'll spot him in the gym, walks away, and he drops a weight on his neck, decapitating himself, which they actually is a cool effect. It is, yeah. Phoebe starts falling in love with Monty. Apparently the family has been real mean to her because it's the worst family ever and no one has cared that Henry is dead except for Monty, which is ironic. We meet Salome Dicequith Pumphrey. And she's a really bad actress who has made a career of, like, using her money to just, like, get into shows. So, spoiler alert for anyone who has not read or seen Hedda Gobbler. But in the end of Hedda Gobbler, she shoots herself. But he switches the gun for a real gun with real bullets. She's immortalized as a great actress. There is a great moment where the play Hedda Gobbler ends with, like, the, the other characters saying, like, shot herself in the head with the pistol... And her other castmates 
say it like just or like or like oh my god she shot herself but it's actually the end of the play <laughs> anyway it's just a neat little thing and so Magdi takes stock and he realizes other than the current earl the only person in the way is lord asquith senior so this is the only time that Monty hesitates. He thinks of Asquith and he talks about how nice he's been to him. He says, well, he was awful to mother, but he was nice to me. And I would really hate to kill him. And on the bright side, while he's deliberating like Hamlet, the guy just drops dead. And he's like, awesome. And he's like, I'm going to be the next Earl of Hyrus. And everyone's like, Monty, you're really cool. We like you now. And that's our finale act one. And then the only one who's like, uh-huh, that's really super weird is Sabella. Yeah. The the woman in the beginning. The woman from the beginning shows up because we hadn't seen her for a while. And, and she's we like, And she's to. like, oh, I wonder. Like, she clearly knows what's going on. Sabella might too. So act two begins with, why are all the die squiths dying? It's at the latest funeral and all the mourners are like we didn't like any of them we're annoyed we have to be here it's really rude of them to all die like this it's a funny concept it's not a particularly great song yeah and monty's in the background like shifting all suspiciously okay he him like sneaking around is pretty funny and lord adelbert the current earl and now the only person in his way because monty's now next in line is like could i be next and it's like you think he's the boss battle Meanwhile, Monty and Sabella are still having their affair, and he sings Sabella. Sabella is one of my favorite songs in the whole show. Oh, really? I love this song. It's Monty's chance to be, like, very sexy and kind of scary, and it's like, it's not exactly that his demeanor drops, because it's not fully an act, because even as a murderer, he's kind of like, oh, dearie me. But he faces her down, and we see how different he is from their first encounter. And she sees how different he is. Yeah, and she's, like, she's really impressed. Like, the power has totally shifted. And it's really cool to see. And I like the melody. And if, if with a good performer like Bryce Pinkham, it's, like, very, like, ooh. It's very, like, not in with the tone of the rest of the show, which That's is true. good. Which is good. I know, right. What but, does that say? It's a different song and it's more earnest yeah. than maybe any other song. But unfortunately, or fortunately, Phoebe shows up. Oh no. Oh, uh, it's the song. It's the song. I've decided to marry you. Oh, what are they going to do for the Tonys? I was like, I bet they'll do that. And I was like, yeah, and then they did. What are they going to do for the parade? Exactly. They've done it. And what are they going to do for Broadway and Bryant Park? Every single chance they get. Even if you do a photo, it's him squished up between the doors. So I've decided to marry you is awesome. It's Monty running back and forth between Sabella locked up in the bedroom and Phoebe who's entered into the parlor as Phoebe comes in to propose marriage to him. And then Sabella trying to like eavesdrop on the conversation because she's jealous. One thing about the song I wonder is do I like the lyrics of the show more when the score is better? Because the, the, the score in this song is better. Here's my one question with this song. Does the song insinuate that Phoebe used to be married to her brother? Oh my god, thank you. I've decided to live my life and be a wife again. Yes. So first she goes, though Henry's gone, that life goes on for me. The first time I heard this song out of context, I was like, is she singing about her? Did he kill her husband? And it's, no, it's her brother. So it's first she says that, and then she literally goes, yeah, I'm ready to live my life and be a wife again. What? Did they like write this song early on in the show and maybe she was supposed to be Henry's wife. I couldn't find anything. I tried looking it up. Like, this is my theory. I don't know what's going on. 
oh, oh, this is when it turns out Hyacinth isn't dead. Like, at the time of Act 1, we thought she was dead, and now it's like, she's not dead, and then he kills her, and it's literally, like, a 30-second vignette, not even. Pointless, too. So, by a complete coincidence, Monty and Phoebe and Sabella and her husband are all invited to Highhurst Castle to dine with Lord Adelbert. I mean, he's like, I guess I have to meet the guy who's going to succeed me because I don't have any kids. So Monty shows up and the spirits of his ancestors speak to him again. And they tell him they still don't like him. But this time I think he's like, he can handle him. Like the first time he's like really hurt. Like his feelings are hurt by these like talking paintings and stuff. And this time like, he just flips him off and rides off on a skateboard. That is literally what he does. So Adelbert's wife is Lady Eugenia, who would be his countess is what we said an earl's wife is i think so who cares the joke is that eugenia and adelbert hate each other which is weird because spoiler when adelbert dies she like makes a 180 and is like super sad and it's she being the third person who gives a crap that someone she loved has been murdered so adelbert is really weird and really mean sabella learns at the dinner that phoebe and monty are engaged and she's annoyed about it he calls her out on it. He's like, why can't I get married and you got married? So we have Poison in My Pocket reprise where Monty's like, all right, I have poison. We're going to go back to the beginning here. I am going to poison the Earl's meal. And he's like trying to find the right moment. And he actually sees Miss Shingle, the old lady from the beginning of the show. And it turns out that she's a servant for the Dice Quists. And you realize that like, that's how she knew Monty's mother. So Monty gets the poison in, but then Sabella is almost about to eat it. So Monty has to knock it to the floor. So he's like, well, now what? And then Lord Adelbert sings Looking Down the Barrel of a Gun. And I have no idea what the point of this song is. I don't either. And throughout the entire thing, Monty's looking shady as hell. But the Earl sings this song where he says, when you're facing mortality, it's the worst feeling. And, oh, God, I don't want to die. And he starts, like, falling apart. And his wife is like, you're making a fool of And he points the gun at himself and just, like, makes a big show of it. It's his swan song. He doesn't realize it. There's some lyrics that are like, oh, facing death makes you, like, a better person. It makes you appreciate mankind more. Then it's like. And then they're like, Monty, get the gun away from him. And Monty's just like, oh. Well, Monty has a chance to shoot him and he doesn't because there are witnesses. The show obviously doesn't work on our logic, but within the internal logic of the show, it's still weird. No, and then Adelbert drops dead. And Monty's now the ninth Earl of Highhurst. Yay! And he and Phoebe marry and she is his Countess Baroness Earless Queen. Yay! Cousin. Cousin. At the wedding. A dude from Scotland Yard shows up to arrest him for a murder. Finally, someone is suspicious. So we get the song Stop, Wait, What? Which I really like. I think it's a really fun yeah. song. It's short. It's to the point. And Monty's like, I was so careful. Like, how was it? And over the course of the song, we find out that he's actually accused of the murder of Lord Adelbert. That he did not commit. Yeah, he goes, this murder was not one of mine, is the last line of the song. He goes, it couldn't be poor cousin Asquith. He was so kind to die on his own. <laughs> so Monty goes to trial. Like, Sabella's supposed to be testifying in his defense. And is like, of course Monty resented the Dysquith. And he's like, Sabella, what are You're you You're so great, Sabella. I love you. That was legitimately a mistake on her part. She is not actually trying to get him killed. So Monty is about to find out, like, the next day if he's guilty or not. And he's writing his memoirs in his cell, and the jail custodian comes in, and he looks like all the other Dysquists. It's the same actor. So we're like, what's going on? And the custodian's like, oh, I'm Chauncey, 
my father is cast out of the family and he's like mm, i don't really want to be like a die squiff and and monty's like i like you so phoebe goes to visit him in jail and they're like everything's gonna be okay and she's like by the way are you in disabella love you and he's like um and she's like that's what i thought so the next song is that horrible woman which isn't a good song it's fine i guess like a lot of the other songs in the show i'm a little bit confused so what happens is phoebe and sabella go to different people in the investigation and show them letters written in the other woman's handwriting confessing to the crime and saying i saw her poison the earl to which their conclusion is that like they can't convict one and not the other or monty so they just have to let him go which doesn't make any sense once again internal logic of the show it's not we're not we're supposed to take it with a grain of salt but like it feels very forced but you need the sopranos to team up and show off their voices but the next day monty's told you're free to go everyone is super excited he sees phoebe and sabella waiting and then he realizes he's forgotten the memoirs and a guard hands it to him and is like oh like you forgot these and hadn't read them and it's like what was the point of that but the thing that bothers me is that the guy's actually flipping through the book yeah. And then randomly Miss Shingle shows up and is like, by the way, I poisoned the Earl. She just tells us. And she's like, I poisoned the Earl with prussic acid. And if they had convicted Monty, I would have confessed my crime and like died in his place. One, why? I get it. He's a dude and women just like do things for him. And also it means that everything that the two women just went through, his two like partners went through, was not like a meaningless gesture because they, they got him acquitted, but they didn't need to do any of that. He, well, he was going to be fine no matter what. The danger was, right, not, yeah. was not really real. But at least they close up every single loose end. Chauncey would be a loose end, but luckily he said he's not interested in the dice with fortune. Hilarious. We're joking. Chauncey shows up with poison and says that he's gonna poison Monty. And the show ends, this is not the end. Which is like, yes it is. Yes it is. We sat through the show. Give us satisfaction. Like, I don't want to see Monty die. So at the curtain call, Monty takes a poisonous flower out of his pocket. He's been carrying the whole time, gives it to Chauncey, who eats it. Who eats it, yeah. And like, I don't know, it's a joke. Maybe I'm, I'm, I, I shouldn't be annoyed, but I'm a little bit annoyed. I'm a little bit annoyed, too. And it turns out Sabe- the implication is that Sabella and Phoebe are down to share him, which is a sweet, if rather unlikely, resolution. I mean, maybe they like each other, too. They're my OT3. It is weird how, like, Phoebe figures out that Sabella was in love with Monty. It's unclear whether or not either of them knew or cared that he was a murderer. But they're both still, like, it doesn't matter. We gotta do what we gotta do to get him released. And Phoebe is the one who seeks out Sabella, is the implication. Mm -hmm. And he's like, here's the plan. And Sabella's like, I'm down. And then they're like, great let's all date Monty and be together and whatever it is that's going on. It's kind of silly and weird and random, but it's interesting. It's not a twist you usually see. Right. Uh, so in the book, I don't know what happens at the end and who he, who he goes with. In the movie, the he has the two women who are interested in him and they're both waiting for him when he gets out of prison and it's just a sort of moment of ruh-roh and it's not resolved. And that's the show. Let's talk about the Tonys. It won Best Musical. It also won Best Book. It got Costume Direction, Musical, and Book. And it lost one, two, three, four, five, six others. That's totally respectable. In a year where you don't have Hamilton, 
a show taking four Tonys, including Best Musical, is like, yeah. It was kind of a weak year. It was, yeah, it was After Midnight, Aladdin, and Beautiful were the others. Lay them on me. Let's start with our least favorite lyrics. What's your least favorite lyric? I'm normally okay with slant rhymes. I'm not, like, a snob, but there's this one in... <laughs> Sorry. Um, I don't like how in I've Decided to Marry You, they rhyme laugh with off. I should be off, but he makes me laugh. And it's kind of when a bunch of other people are, well, two other people are singing, so I'm... So you don't notice as much? So you don't notice, and I'm sure the lyricist hoped that you wouldn't notice and thought he could kind of get away with it. But, like, off and laugh? Come on. So much of it is so dense. You, like, miss a lot of the lyrics. My least favorite lyric is just one that felt weak to me, which is, and I don't understand the poor, which is, I'm sensitive and I don't understand the poor. It's just a filler line. Yeah. What's your favorite lyric? I have a lot. I think the one I'm going to single out is in Poison in My Pocket, and it's, murder is not a hobby for the cautious. Thoughts of violence can make the timid nauseous. That's a good lyric. At least the rhymes are really good. Uh, my favorite lyric is from I've Decided to Marry You. And it's sort of the most show-offy line. And I'm like, all right, I'll give it to I you. I think I know what it is. If I'm discovered, imagine the scandal. And I couldn't handle a scandal yep. so visible. I'll stay invisible. So yeah. can be. Because everyone is like a posh British person in the show. They can get away with saying words like risible. Risible. And we don't have to like yeah. call BS. Do you have a place on social media where you want the children to find you? I do. Uh, God, I don't want children to find me. God, that's why I didn't give my last name. My Twitter is Santamite. Ariel, thank you for being on the show. Yay! May I call you Phoebe? What am I doing here? This could be dangerous if I'm discovered. Imagine the scandal and I couldn't handle a scandal so visible. I'll stay invisible still as can be. Thanks for listening to Pick a Little, Talk a Little. You can follow us on Twitter at PalTalPodcast, as in P-A-L-T-A-L. Email us at PalTalPodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Pick a Little, Talk a Little. We are produced and edited by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. You can find her at rachel-jacobs.com or on Twitter at WTFRJK. I've been your host, Gabrielle Gazelowitz. I'm at gabriellegazelowitz.com, which is spelled in a way that you probably wouldn't guess. And I'm on Twitter at Gabby Gazelowitz. So see if you can find me. So until next time, and as they say in Paint Your Wagon, when I learned to talk, the word they taught me was goodbye. That and where's my hat are all I'll need until I die. Hang on, I just want to point out that Ben Walker also played Jackson, who also oh, so canonically, not canonically, historically killed people. Yes, but not in a sneaky way. Okay. Like, yeah, no. I'm not in a saying, very I'm not in saying your face. Andrew Jackson was not a mass murderer, but like, Ben, but like, Ben Walker just kills Ben Walker, like, the American psycho dude, like, Patrick Bateman has like a similar body count. No. Actually, um, when I was watching American Psycho, not to derail, but someone said it was like Sweeney Todd, and I was finding way more parallels between American Psycho and Gentleman's Guide than Psycho and Sweeney Todd, and she just really pissed me off, and if she's listening right now, you were very wrong. She in bed. You. I'm going to guess that anyway.